Would you pray with me? Almighty God, guide our speech and thought this morning so that we will be found faithful and acceptable to your loving and righteous ways. The courage to hope. As we mentioned last week, this is the first Sunday of Advent, the beginning of a new Christmas season, or a new Christian season, rather. The word Advent comes from the Latin word Adventus, which means coming. This is the season which we prepare for the coming of Christ. Christ, who came before and yet is continually coming in word and spirit, and will come again in final victory. This is the nature of our Christian tradition, bringing critical events of the past into our present, along with the anticipated events of the future, so that each year we experience the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection, and the second coming of Christ Jesus, as though they were happening at the very moment that we're there. And in this four-week season of Advent, we focus on preparing for the birth of Christ, as we consider the hope, peace, joy, and love that Christ brings into the world. In our first week, we will reflect on hope. Interestingly, the gospel passage given to us this week doesn't describe the coming of Christ as a baby, but as the Son of Man coming in a cloud at the end of times. Rather than thinking about Jesus as vulnerable, innocent as a baby, born in his humble circumstances, we're given an image of Christ breaking into the world with power and great glory. This entry follows a cataclysmic event, a series of cataclysmic events in the heavens and on earth that spark debilitating fear. The passage comes from a conversation that Jesus had had with his disciples just days before the Last Supper. Jesus and his disciples had recently returned from visiting the, the temple in Jerusalem. And in response to a comment someone had made about the grandeur of the temple, he replied that this great Jewish temple in Jerusalem was going to be completely destroyed. A group of disciples asked him when this would take place, but he wouldn't give them a specific time. He warned them of future suffering that they would endure and told them of signs that would indicate the temple destruction was about to take place, but he did not give them a time frame. He warned them that Jerusalem would be trampled on by the Gentiles. And those who how the end times would unfold. In a passage read this morning, Jesus told his disciples, there will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars, and on the earth, distress among nations, confused by the roaring of the sea and the waves. Like reading the seasons of the year by noticing the growth on the trees, they would be able to discern the second coming of the kingdom of God by paying attention and recognizing the events that he had described. In affirming his prediction, he also told them that this generation will not pass away until all things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away, said Jesus. These statements 
have created a great deal of confusion over the centuries. Many people have predicted the end times were coming on a specific date based on their interpretation of the current circumstances that they were in and how they compared to the events of these descriptions given by Christ. Obviously, they were wrong. Each of those dates have come and gone, and yet here we are. The signs given by Jesus were very general, so accurately predicting the end times has proven to be an elusive venture. Yet, this still happens today when people try to make sense of the earthquakes, the wars, the pandemics, the climate crises that we encounter today. I don't think we will ever know exactly when Christ will come again until it happens. Scripture tells us that it will happen unexpectedly, so we must be on our guard. A very similar passage exists in chapter 13 of the Gospel of Mark. We read from Luke this morning. And that passage in Mark also includes the statement about the, that day or hour no one knows, neither the angels in the heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. So in the passage from Mark, Jesus confides that even he doesn't know exactly when this will happen. There's also been confusion about the claim that this generation will not pass away until all things have taken place. Clearly this has raised many questions, since the people of the first century period have long ago passed away. Many scholars have attempted to explain this statement in various ways, but they all tend to result in more questions than answers. Some have focused on the phrase, this generation, suggesting a reference to a pervading cultural mindset rather than a group of people at a particular time. Others have focused on the phrase, pass away, which may have more nuanced meaning in the original Greek. Some use this verse as an example of the fallibility of biblical text, suggesting that there may have been errors in the recording, remembering, or predictions of Scripture. And some others believe that they could, there could also be ways of interpreting this statement, which we've not yet uncovered, that would make it true. And still others consider it a mystery that we will not understand in our lifetime. Regardless, the statement that follows it is a call to faith. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. The existence of this exact same passage in Matthew, Mark, and Luke leads me to believe it's an important teaching for the early church and that there is validity to it. The passage tells us that the words of Jesus are trustworthy and more reliable than our own reality, even though their meaning may be veiled sometimes. Jesus is adamant that we should trust in his message and be faithful to his teachings. I think this is one of the main points of the entire passage. We are expected to trust in the message that there will be a return of the Son of Man, but nobody knows exactly when that will happen. Therefore, Jesus urges us to always be on guard. More specifically, we're encouraged not to be weighed down by dissipation, drunkenness, and worry. The Greek word used for dissipation was only used once in the New Testament, in this passage. But it was used in other ancient writings as a medical term referring to nausea following a period of decadent living or debauchery. 
So we are warned not to be or not to be so reckless in our lifestyle that we make ourselves sick. And the comment to avoid drunkenness is the same warning given by the Apostle Paul to the Romans and to the Galatians. This warning is a reminder of the teaching that Jesus gave earlier in chapter 12 of Luke, where he warns against letting your guard down and misbehaving by getting drunk when you think that you can get away with something. And of course, the warning to avoid worry refers to the worries of our lives. But it can also imply a warning not to be too concerned with the cares and pleasures of our life. Like a seed dropped among thorns that gets choked as it tries to grow. That can make us as unfruitful in our work for Christ. With all these ominous forebodings, you may be wondering where hope comes into the story. After all, this is the Advent week of hope. We've talked about cataclysms and war and how there will be tremendous fear when the Son of Man returns, but we haven't particularly touched on the topic of hope. Hope comes in the promise of redemption made available to us when the end times come. Jesus tells his disciples, now when these things begin to take place, stand up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. When the signs appear in the earth and heavens and there is great distress among the nations because of the roaring of the sea and the waves, many will faint from fear. But Christ tells his disciples they don't need to worry. Rather than hiding or cowering in a corner, Christ tells his disciples that they should stand tall and raise their heads because their redemption is drawing near. Because of the willingness of Christ to follow his path of crucifixion and resurrection, we're offered grace in our final hours. We will not need to experience fear in the end times because we have hope in Christ. To those who have no expectation of anything beyond this life, this may look like tremendous courage. <clears throat> Excuse me. But to those who've experienced the risen Christ in their own life, this is simply a matter of faith and the promise of hope that was offered by Jesus. Jesus, after his left, after his resurrection, and prepared a place for each of us in his kingdom. In the Gospel of John, we read Jesus' words to his disciples on the night before his rest. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. Those who believe these words have the hope that they will be fulfilled. And they also have the courage to stand up and raise their head when the ends come, when the end times come. Of course, it's helpful to remember that we carry this hope throughout our lives, not just at the end times. This is not a hope that applies only to the second coming of Christ. It applies to any difficulty that we experience in our lives. We have the hope and of an abiding connection to Christ that does not get broken regardless of our circumstances. The Apostle Paul stated it so well in his letter to the Romans, saying, 
I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This love is the force behind the hope that we experience in all our challenges. It is because of the hope that we have for all that for Christ, all that Christ will do for us, that we eagerly prepare for the coming baby Jesus over the next few weeks. This baby that will enter the world in a few short weeks, arriving in humble circumstances, will grow into the man who fulfills the Jewish messianic prophecies. He is the first child of a young couple who were forced to travel at the time of his birth. Consequently, he will be born among farm animals and spend his first night in a manger or a feeding trough. He was mysteriously conceived by the Holy Spirit and will be born by the Virgin Mary. This is the Son of the living God, who brought all things into being. He will one day courageously lay down his life to defeat death, and will be resurrected on the third day, so that he can return to the sit at the right hand of his Father in heaven. When the end times come, he will return on a cloud to judge the living and the dead. And those who have kept his word will stand tall and raise their head with confidence and courage, because they maintain hope in the promise of living with him in his kingdom forever. Amen. Um.